Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is doing what she does best. As a young girl, she was scolded for talking too much to her neighbors in class. After years of trying to be quiet, she discovered that speaking up about taboo topics is her strength. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. She is a wealth psychology expert who has helped thousands of advisors and clients communicate more effectively about money. Now, listen to Kathleen as she assists today's guest in busting their favorite money myth wide open. It's an honor today to be joined by Rianca Dorsonville, a CFP, a friend of mine, somebody I met recently, uh, who is the founder and president of Your Greatest Contribution. Let me tell you a little bit about Rianca because she has a very impressive uh, resume and credentials before we get into her money myth and welcome her to the call. Um, as I said, she's the founder and president of Your Greatest Contribution, a virtual fee-only comprehensive financial planning firm dedicated to serving professionals in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. As a certified financial planner, Rianca approaches financial planning with a strong emphasis on education and provides business owners, individuals, families, and families with tools to make informed financial decisions. She's a very strong advocate for young professionals, and she's served in a variety of capacities. In 2016, she was the national president of the Financial Planning Association's Next Gen Community, where she focused on cultivating the next generation of financial planners. She currently sits on the CNBC Financial Advisor Council and volunteers annually uh, for the IRS Volunteer Income Tax Assistance Program. In addition to that, she's co-founded a mentorship program for women in financial planning at her alma mater, Virginia Tech. Uh, she has been recognized by Investment News in 2015 as uh, one of the 40 under 40 financial services professionals and also by Wealth Management and Investor uh, financial Investor Magazine in 2016 as the top uh, 10 CFP holders, wow, in the country. I she's know. a wow. And she's uh, published and, you know, just a wonderful person all around. Um, just getting to know her a little bit better. And I know you will enjoy um, hearing from her today. So, welcome, Rianca, to the call. Thank you so much, Kathleen, for having me. Yeah, I'm very excited. Um, we had an initial conversation, and in that conversation, um, I was doing some interviews for my upcoming book, How to um, Breaking Money Silence, and uh, this myth came up. And the myth we're going to talk about today is you should always financially take care of your family. So that's a loaded myth. So tell um, the podcast listeners a little bit about what motivated you to pick that myth. You know, I, I picked this myth because it is uh, a conversation that comes up a lot, especially when I speak to clients who are uh, maybe first generation college graduates uh, or they're just looked at as very successful in their family as an individual or as a couple. And I, too, have experienced this, um, you know, being a first generation college graduate myself and um, moving straight into the financial planning career. By the first after the first three years of me being in my career, I was earning more than 
my mom and dad. And so uh, we feel like we should be taking care of our family, uh, family members, parents, um, and sometimes it could be to the detriment of our own financial uh, success. And so that's why I wanted to just, you know, bring the conversation, have the dialogue about this myth. I think that's great because, you know, we all want to take care of our parents and our family. And, and, you know, part of what you're talking about with this particular myth is the whole idea of, um, you know, the financial psychology around becoming more financially successful than your Mm -hmm. parents and how complicated that can be. So um, how did this myth impact you? It sounds like it impacted you personally, and you also see it in your professional life with your clients. So uh, tell me a little bit about the impact and also if you've noticed any ways in which it might actually help people, at least for the short term. Right. Yeah. So I can give a, just a personal story. Uh, so, um, immediately after, uh, I graduated from college, I married my high school sweetheart. And a year later we were searching for a home, um, so that we can buy, we live here in the DC Metro area. So, um, anyone familiar with this area knows that rent is extremely high. Yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) So why not just buy? And we knew that we were going to be in this area for a long time. So we started searching for a home. And then we got into the process of, um, you know, the lender having that conversation. And then to our surprise, or at least mine, um, the lender was letting us know our debt to income ratio was too high. And um, I was perplexed because I'm like, well, we just have, you know, student loans here and there. Our our car loan is not that expensive. What's happening here? And then the lender said, well, we noticed that you, it's just two of you, but you have three cars under your, under your name. And I looked at my husband and he was like, oh, and I was like, what's going on here? So, you know, we had it. (laughs) Talk about breaking money silence, right? Right Right in the bank. we had a uh, a side conversation after that meeting and it just so happens, you know, a family member was in a situation where they needed to refinance the car. Their credit was not that well. And so to get a good interest rate and so also that so that they can um, still have this car, uh, you know, my husband just trying to be helpful um, during the refinance was a co-signer and um and that was that and he was like okay well you know this person will make the monthly payments he was not financially responsible but from the lender's eyes he was financially responsible and because he was a co-signer and then he had to then of course as soon as you pay off your car um your you know something will happen and it just the um the auto maintenance was too expensive. So he decided to buy another car. And then because of that, they also said, well, you have two cars. Why do you need a third one? Like, well, no, 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 this, I don't have the third car, you know? And so his interest rate on his auto loan was high because they, the lender saw him as a risk of why, why do you need three cars? And there's only two of you. And again, it's no, we, so it, it was very, it was very complicated, but um, because my husband wanted to be helpful to a family member, it in turn impacted us financially. Um, and we almost was not able to purchase our first home. And then also, if, you know, for a year, 
Um, and so that family member was able to, you know, pay off this auto loan. Um, you know, he was stuck paying a very high interest rate on this uh, auto loan because they saw him as a financial threat, so to say, of not being able to financially pay um, his his auto loan. And we both had really great incomes, but um, yeah, it's... Well, and, and what you're talking about, I think commonly, it can commonly happen. I mean, you're, you know... Your husband's a good guy. He's trying to help out a family member, not really thinking about, oh, how this is going to impact you down the line. And um, what's what's interesting about this um, is, you know, I can identify when I was new. Well, not we weren't married yet. It was before we were married. We went to buy uh, a condo together. And it turned out that my husband did a very similar thing. Nice guy. Um, we have was, nice husbands. Yes, huh? he's a very nice guy. He's a little bit more financially literate now that he's hung out with me for 20 years. Um, right. But at the time, he co-signed this loan and, and had forgotten about it. And so uh, very similar, um, except for, you know, our story doesn't end so great. We weren't able to get the condo. And um, the other person was an in-law, so had married into the family and uh, has since left the family and never returned the cash. So, oh, wow. um, you know, it, it can it can range in terms of how it impacts you. And, and all you're trying to do is be a nice person and care for people in your life. So, um, you know, the myth is you should always financially take care of your family. But it sounds like what we're talking about, Rianca, is sometimes you, you shouldn't. And so how do you kind of decide when to take care of yourself, when to uh, be, quote unquote, a nice guy or a nice uh, woman? And, and how do you kind of negotiate that? That seems so complicated. Right. That... <sighs> Kathleen, that's such a great question. And and the first part is, one, just have an open conversation, especially if you have a partner, just have a conversation <laughs> about money. And if you can financially help a family member at that time. And if you say no, you say no. And uh, what I encourage my clients to do is, one, take care of yourself first. Because the best gift that you can give any family member, especially your parents, is to be able to financially support yourself. And uh, what I've encouraged my clients to do for those who, again, feel like they they still want to financially uh, help or, or support uh, family members or, or parents is that I encourage them to start a family fund. And every paycheck, put X amount of dollars aside into this account and earmark it for, for family members. And if uh, a family member comes and asks to borrow, and I'm putting that in quotation marks, mm -hmm. some money, um, you say, okay. And you know that you're giving this money that you can afford to give because you're taking it out in an account that's earmarked for, for, for family members. And if they pay you back, awesome. If they don't, it's okay because it's not financially hurting you or financially uh, hindering you to achieve some of your goals that you have. And then once that account goes to zero and a family member says, you know, hey, could I borrow X amount of dollars or can you help me pay for this? You can say no and you can feel okay about it because you really don't have it. And if you say yes and you pull from a different account, you're saying no to your future goals and to what goals that you have set aside for yourself and your family. So really to make it a little bit, uh, well, a lot more purposeful and mindful, it's kind of like, um, depending on how this family fund runs in your family, it's, it's similar <laughs> to 
um, saying I'm going to give X number of dollars every year to charity. Mm-hmm. Um, or um, it may be that you set up a family fund. I don't know if you've done this, but I know my father did this with me um, when I went off to college where um, there's a loan and there's actually a loan document. At the time, I don't even know if it was official. I mean, I'm, I don't think he got it notarized, but maybe he did. And um, But I remember you know, knowing that, oh, this was money that he was lending me and that mm-hmm. I needed to pay it back. Now, the way in which it got paid back was... Um, through, you know, reduced my inheritance, you know, for, and he's still alive. So I didn't feel the impact, but I remember Uh that being such an important financial lesson around the age of like 20. Um, So being purposeful about it, planning it, and then, you know, I think it's hard to say no, but if you actually have said, I've, you know, this year, I don't have any more, maybe we can discuss it next year. Somehow it feels like a softer no. Yes, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and just saying maybe not right now, um, because, uh, you know, you have some some goals that that you're trying to achieve. And, you know, when it comes to money, um, you know, we don't want to say no, because we don't want to look like we don't have it. Um, and, and so we want to be able to to help family members when they're in need. But, you know, if if you're giving so much that is putting you in a financial bind. Who is going to help you when you need it? Um, will you have to borrow from a financial institution and pay them back with interest because, you know, your family members can't financially help or, or support you? Or just having a conversation when you are loaning, quotation marks, or, you know, giving this money to this family member, helping them understand how to spend this money or, or just having a dialogue around where is this money going? And it's not prying. I mean, it is your money that you are giving to this family member. So that if there is a way that you can help uh, educate them around, you know, spending habits, I know that, you know, everyone's not a financial planner, but if they're coming to you for some financial support, you you must be doing something right with your money. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And I think, you know, it's a great opportunity um, to break money silence with a family member, to have a financial conversation as opposed to just say a quick yes or a quick no, to really kind of explain it. And as you're talking, Rianca, one of the things I'm thinking about is this is such a great um, myth to bust for parents, right? Mm -hmm. You should always financially take care of your kids, right? If that was your family or your kids. And I think about the um, older folks who um, put their retirement at jeopardy because they want to, you know, give their kids everything. And I love this idea of take care of yourself first. It's a gift. Um, And in some ways, as a parent, it's a gift to take care of yourself. So when your kids get older, they aren't put in that position to then have to take care of you because you didn't um, plan your financial future. So I really see how it runs the gamut, both with um, certainly millennials, um, Mm -hmm. but also all the way through boomers and traditionalists of just really trying to each of us to take care of ourselves and then have a money conversation and, and be purposeful about our gifts to family. Yes. Yes. And again, so the, just like you said, it can go both ways. The, as a child, the best gift I can give my parents is my financial independence. And as a parent, the best gift that you can give your children is financial independence because one day, we're, we're going to want to stop working, you know, as, as a parent, you know, we're going to want to stop working. And, um, wouldn't it be great to say that I'm, I'm working 
because I want to, not because I have to. And if you are, just like you mentioned, Kathleen, um, you know, putting your retirement in jeopardy um, to, you know, financially fund something for your children, then having that conversation, again, so it's not more so of no, um, you know, saying no to your children that you can't help them, but explain to them what this is doing um, and how this is impacting you to see if they really need this money that they're asking for. So it puts a little in, in, in context. In context, and I think that's a great way to um, help people, especially young people, uh, understand, you know, how to make a financial decision and what are the implications of a financial decision and all the stuff that I think we need to be doing a better job of teaching the next generation about. And so using these requests as kind of an opportunity to have a conversation and to then work with a financial planner like yourself to be able to come up with some sort of structure. So there's a way in which you are mindful of, oh, I need to take care of myself and then I can take care of my family. And it's not, you know, when you say you, you want you know, people to think you have the money. I think the other thing that um, comes up for people is, you know, oh, they're going to think I'm greedy, or I'm not charitable, or all these things about, you know, saying no to gifting a family member, um, when in fact, that may not be the case at all. It's just you're trying to do the best you can for yourself, um, and be and give that gift of financial fitness. Right, absolutely. So absolutely. I'm going to circle back for a minute. I'm curious, because usually I can come up with a with every myth, there's an upside and a downside, right? So there's usually okay. a way in which it, it, it doesn't serve you. And then often there's a way in which it does, even if it serves you in the short run. And this one I'm a little perplexed on. How do you think having the myth or living by the myth, you should always financially take care of your family can help you? Great question. I would say this can help you uh, in a sense. If we took off always, I'll, I'll be more comfortable with saying. Okay, <laughs> that's fine. We you can play it any way you want. Yep. Uh, yeah, you should, you know, financially take care of your family. And the upside is the, of this is that you just feel great that um, you're able, you're financially able to help a family member when they're in need. Uh, I'll take me. For example, it and it the saying is true. It takes a village to raise a child, and it definitely took a village to raise me. Mm-hmm. And so, um, when a family member uh, is in need of of anything, and it may not just be money, it may just be you know um, you know support in, in a different way. And for me to be able to help them in whatever way that that they need, it's a blessing because not everybody is fortunate enough to be the person that the family member know that they can count on. Um, so, so the upside is of this is that it's a blessing that you're able to be the person that you know your family can count on. Yeah, I like that. And I also think it's a way of, um, and I agree, if you take the always out of it, that, that you know, it's a family value. And you may yeah. or may not have that family value if you're listening. Um, you know, there's there's all sorts of conversations we could have about, you know, the cultural influence of, <laughs> of that. Um, but I think in general, it can help you understand that, um, th- that you can feel good when you can um, share wealth, in quotes. Um, mm-hmm. But that for the most part, 
you know, busting this myth open and instead of thinking I should always financially take care of my family, think about um, how can I take care of myself first and then be purposeful with how I gift money to my family. Um, seems like what kind of where we're both landing on this. Um, mm -hmm. So, boy, there's so much more we could talk about. <laughs> I know. This, this podcast always goes so quick. So I want, uh, Rianca, for you to tell um, the listeners a little bit about how they can find out more about your work. And I also know you have a special offer for them, a uh, free download. So do you mind saying a little bit about that? Yes, absolutely. If uh, your listeners go to my website, yourgreatestcontribution.com, right on the homepage, if they are ready to get in control of their finances, uh, there's a download. Uh, there's a free ebook, Five Steps to Keep More Money in Your Pocket. And it's, it's time to be intentional about how uh, how we spend our money and the goals that we have around our money. So if you just go to yourgreatestcontribution.com and click the download button, uh, an ebook will magically appear in your inbox. <laughs> That's awesome. And th thank you for making that special offer and for having that available for people who go to your website. Um, what I will do is make sure when this is posted, if you're listening to this, you just have to look at the blog on the KBK Wealth Connection uh, website and you will see a write-up with a link to that download as well as other ways in which you you can um, reach out to Rianca. She's on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook, um, mm -hmm. and just has wonderful energy and great advice. So definitely, um, if you're interested in following up, follow up with her. And thank you again for being uh, a guest on Breaking Money Silence, the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Kathleen. Yeah, and to get everybody listening out there, just remember that if we're able to break our money myths and replace them uh, with the reality of how to take care of ourselves financially, we will be able to break money silence and live uh, richer lives. So thank you again for listening, and I'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard, then check out more podcasts at breakingmoneysilence.com or subscribe on iTunes.com. Need a fun, engaging speaker for your next event? Go to kbkwealthconnection.com and find out how to book Kathleen today. Be sure to share today's show so together we can break money silence for good.